0: Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. Going to go a little podcast crazy on you this week. We've got the Baseball America Summer College podcast going on right now. I'm sure we'll talk a little college baseball, who signed, who didn't. We might throw some of that into the mix if we want to, Aaron. Uh, we'll have our Minor League Player of the Year podcast next Monday, this coming Monday, with the podcast debut of Baseball America's own new national writer, Carrie Buyer. We're very excited about Kerry. He's uh, done a great job already in the couple weeks he's been here, prolific. Uh, With his writing. And then we're going to have podcasts for our league top 20 prospects, which are coming up. And that's just going to be, I think, a thrill a minute, actually. Uh, Just like this summer top 10 podcast is going to be. Aaron, it's our third year that you and I have been doing uh, summer league top 10s together. And I guess it's about the eighth year that we've done summer college top 10s for leagues beyond just the Alaska and the Cape. Right. Let's go over the whole broad landscape of summer college baseball real quick. For the uninitiated, basically summer college baseball exists because of the vacuum left by the horrible structure of NCAA baseball, which is starting the season in the winter and ending it in the spring. Right. College baseball players are not even boys of summer. You know, now only the college series is played in the, in the actual season of summer. Which I'm explaining to my three year old right now, with tilts of the axes of all these uh,
1: planets and stuff. It's a lot of fun. You know, I I actually had a non non college baseball fan ask me last week uh, who I I was excited about for the College World Series coming up. And I had to explain to him that it's in June. And that really confused him because why (laughs) would you have the College World Series in June? But anyway. uh, It, It is
0: confusing if you don't know. And so these summer college leagues, <laughs> that was a pretty funny way to say it, these summer college leagues exist because college summer baseball does not. Right. Um, if the NCAA ever moved uh, the baseball season to the summer, which would be best for everybody, these leagues would cease to exist. And while you'd lose a little something, I, I, I honestly would be for that.
1: I think it would be great. I know a lot of people they, who would be, and certainly, of course, in the in the north. Uh, that's something that, that coaches you know, Gene Stevenson loves yep. that idea. He's been has been has been, you know, uh, trumpeting that that the, the the merit of that idea for a long time. But uh, but but you know there's a lot of sunbelt coaches who I think would get behind it as well. And it's it's I don't think it's ever gonna happen, Joe. And honestly I think it's a pipe dream, but we can still talk about it.
0: I think it is, but I mean the all the attention the Little League World Series gets exactly.
1: A lot of that would go to the College series that were played in
0: August, in the first two weeks of August, instead of the last two weeks in June. So that is why we have these summer college leagues, because, you know, it's good to play baseball in the summer, and college kids like to do that. So now there's just a proliferation yeah. of summer college leagues, Aaron, as a lot of them spurred mostly by the Northwoods League, Coastal Plain League also, a couple other leagues.
1: CBL you could throw NACBL. in at the same time.
0: A lot of these leagues that have figured out you could make some money with free labor and a minor league kind of setup, promotions, all that kind of thing. But to me, one of the big effects of the proliferation of summer college leagues Aaron, has been a dilution of talent throughout summer college baseball. So we do all these prospect lists, and we go top ten, and every league has a couple legitimate prospects. I think it's fair to say that at the bottom of a lot of these top ten lists are mostly guys who are going to be organization players or top out in AA, or even some who are just going to be really good college players. Is that fair? Absolutely, it's
1: fair, especially once you get past the first couple of leagues. I, I do think that... Uh, I mean, of course, the Cape is the cream of the crop, and you can go, you know, 80 or 100 deep easily on the Cape, as some of our competitors <laughs> have described. Right, that's right. But, uh, uh, you know, we've got, a, we've got a list of 30 players in the Cape Codley who I think are all really legitimate prospects.
0: And I actually think the Cape itself is a little overrated, personally. I think the team's almost put too much stock in the Cape, but... Uh, you can really perform
1: in the Cape, and that doesn't mean that you're that good. Perhaps for performance in the Cape, it's yeah, overrated as, as a that's measuring stick. But I think the talent level is not overrated.
0: Now that is, that, uh, you, you phrased it much better. I, I agree. Perf- teams put a little too much emphasis sometimes on performance in the Cape. The talent level in the Cape, I do still think, separates itself. Yeah. I think the Northwoods League has usurped the Alaska League and some other older leagues. I agree. And the Northwoods League, to me, is clearly the number two league. In, it, and among the in the summer college pecking order, yeah, I would when it comes when it comes to talent, I think in a lot of other ways it's first. I think in a lot of other it draws ways draws the best
1: out of all these leagues. Yep. And, uh, you know uh, th- those those are markets up there. You know, and this is something that, that a lot of college coaches th- that you hear from up in the up in the Big Ten country uh, they say you know these guys are making a lot of money yeah. using our players Absolutely. in our markets. Uh, but it's but it's during baseball season. We so.
0: spend our money, our scholarship money. We re- we spend our travel budget money to recruit them. Yeah, and those guys profit from it.
1: I think we I think we have this conversation every year this time of year in the podcast. But uh, well, we've only
0: had the podcast for a couple of years, so I don't mind I mean, having it right. again.
1: But but anyway, I mean, yeah, you but, and I
0: have had this conversation probably ever since we started working right. here. Unfortunately for you, sadly for, thankfully for me, we have a lot of new employees, so they all get to hear the same stories churned through over the dozen years I've been here. Right. Um, but anyway, this is a focus of the Northwoods League first and foremost. Uh, on that list, Jim Callis and I are going to try to do a separate Cape podcast. Not Jim Callis and I, Jim Callis and Aaron are try to have a separate Cape podcast uh, so they can discuss the Cape Cod League. But let's talk about the other summer college leagues, and we'll start with the Northwoods League, Aaron. You did this list. Corey Vaughn at number one. I and mean, that should be familiar to some people, both college and big league fans, he's the son of Greg Vaughn, who hit 50 home runs for the Padres back in 1998. Um, he had a great start at San Diego State this year. It sounds like he still has a lot of work to do, yeah. but the
1: upside is pretty significant for this guy. That's it. He's raw. And, and, you know, he, I think, surprised a lot of people early in the spring coming out and, and really uh, tearing it up down there at San Diego State. and Because um, everyone you talked to out on the West Coast who recruited this guy or saw this guy in the recruiting trail said there's no way he was going to hit, at least for the first year in college baseball. Yeah. And, and it turned out as the year as the spring rolled on, he really did have a, a hard time with breaking balls. and. His average plummeted, but he's got he's got all the tools. I mean, this guy's the upside is significant, and he's he's kind of a, a high risk, high reward number one. You know, uh, kind of like a, a, a Keon Graves from the Coastal Plain League sure. a couple of years ago, who did not his head so far at least hasn't panned out. Or kind of like Greg Vaughn. Was.
0: I mean, Greg Vaughn is a player. His dad had some you know years where he hit two twenty and struck out a ton. Yeah. And a couple other years where he was really locked in and hit 30, 40 home runs, and obviously one time he hit 50.
1: And right. I don't see Vaughn, I don't think Corey has his dad's power, uh, but I do think he certainly has power and he's got speed and he can uh, play the outfield. He can do a lot of things, so it's just a matter of, of polishing up those tools. But I really like the, the, uh, the, the power arms in this list behind him. Well,
0: that's the thing, though, that the Northwoods League has been, to me, that's what sets it apart. The Northwoods League coaches and the staffs up there have done a great job where they recruit some lesser known power arms. I Jordan right. Zimmerman just sticks out to me. Sure. He's now probably the top prospect or one of the top prospects in the national Thank system in the You're the Nats expert. But uh, and he's from a Division Three school and the, the Northwoods League seems to do a great job. They have a longer season. Guys can really get into a rhythm. You're using working against wood bats. Guys can work off the fastball. they go every five days, they build up some stamina. You can really, I think, develop. I think the Northwoods League has a good track record recently for developing pitchers, and there were a couple of lesser-known big raw arms that went up there this summer
1: and really uh, made some noise. And, and you know, one, one guy who really fits this this um, mold that you're talking about is James Jones from Long Island. Absolutely, we ran up to number three on this list. A guy that the people in the Northeast, you talk to scouts up that way, they're excited about this guy for next year. He's he's just a really lean, athletic, six foot three left-hander. Uh, who runs that fastball up to ninety five at times? He's got a a really good feel for a hard breaking ball, and I mean this, this guy is, is going to go pretty good next year, I think. And, and he's he's a, a premium athlete who also plays first base uh, for Long Island and, and in the Northwoods League. Just but, but people all, think yeah. right? People think he could play center field, really. I mean, he's that good of an athlete. He's, right. he's legit. So uh, and then you got Mike Nesseth from Nebraska, another really good arm who I think is is going to be a, a, a huge breakout candidate this spring. A six foot five righty, you know who's been up to ninety seven, ninety eight, or so.
0: Yeah. Now he, you have there. There are big raw arms on here. You once again had a freshman, and that's the thing that this is another growing trend because I encountered this in a couple of the summer leagues that I did of high school seniors uh, playing in these summer college leagues. Now that's, it's not necessarily new. I'm sure it happened before I got to BA, but it's in my experience. I, I specifically remember Mark Desher a summer after his high school senior year uh, going to the uh, Clark Griffith League because there were fewer leagues back then. He went to the Clark Griffith League, and he led the league in home runs, playing half a season at right. seven home runs in, like, 20 games. With a wood bat as a high school senior still against college players. I mean, it, it, was, it was. He built he started building his legend there. So, um, so Andy Burns, they're saying boo earns to Andy Burns in the stands, uh, didn't perform great in the Northwoods League, but this was the best high school player in Colorado this year as a hitter. Uh, he was passed as a prospect by Tyler Sample, of the right-hander out of Mullen High. But Andy Burns, a solid athlete. He lost, if, if Andy Burns still hit like he hits now and still had his athleticism he had as a high school junior, he would have been higher up on your list. But it sounds like what well, you heard in the Northwoods League is the same thing I got in the spring with the draft. Is that he's lost a little athleticism. He's lost a little first-step quickness, right? Yeah, there's.
1: I don't think anyone thinks now that he's going to play shortstop right. at a professional level. I, I think he'll play shortstop at Kentucky, and I think he'll be fine. Uh, Part of a great Kentucky recruiting oh, class. Oh yeah, absolutely, and I think maybe you know more, one of the more unheralded players in that in that class with uh, Alex Meyer, of course, headlining. Alias Bubba. Uh, it was it, Alias Bubba. <laughs> it's, it's a shame that they lost Daniel Webb for those guys because they would have had two of the three best uh, uh, or, or highest ranked, I guess, prospects in the nation. But he ended up at Okaloosa Walton Junior College. So. Um, but uh,
0: anybody else in the Northwoods League list stick out for you? I mean, Carlos Ramirez did for me just because yeah. the catch and throw ability, the defensive catcher. He's, but anybody else needs a. He's, guy who, to click? he's a guy click
1: He's could have been higher too, John, because uh, his bat really played in the Northwoods League. People really liked the bat. Uh, incredibly mature offensive approach. Um, there he, were even guys he that did you... have power to, to all fields. I mean, this is a guy that the reason he actually was four on this list and not higher is because people. Wondered actually about his defense at the next level. Right. Some people did. Some so He's got a, fri-
0: but he does have a fringy arm. Yeah. And usually you look for arm strength in the catcher. He does everything else so well as a catcher that the, the arm strength plays up. But he's just going to play the average though if he does everything else right.
1: I'll say this: he will make people forget about Petey Paramore in a hurry this spring at Arizona State.
0: I completely agree with you. I thought Petey Paramore was overrated in the draft this year, and uh, I, I completely agree with you. I like Carlos Ramirez a lot in that regard. It's the Baseball America podcast. John Manuel and Aaron Fit talking a little summer college baseball. Uh, Aaron, uh, there are a lot of leagues that we have both done over the years, that, leagues that we like. We didn't. Neither one of us did the Valley League this year. I know we both like the Valley League historically, uh, a league that has yeah. given us the likes of Yonder Alonso as a number one pick over Ducuti, the years. Blake Powell, you
1: know Who else? I realized, and uh, my first Valley League list in 2005 had Daniel Murphy at number
0: two. Oh, awesome! Now with the Mets. You gotta love Daniel Murphy. I'm trying to think back in the back in the day on the Boulevard of Linden, who I might have really liked. Who I might have run up a Valley League list. And I can't remember, I just remember I enjoyed doing it because of the coach, uh, Lawrence Nesselrod. Nesselrod. It's impossible not to, like, talk in that league. You you got Mike Bocock, who's won, like, five or six bi-league titles. But Lawrence Nesselrod, he's a stud. Just a great guy. Absolutely. Uh, Great guys in that league. Uh, As a matter of fact, it was either the Coastal Plain League or the Valley League one year that had Justin Verlander for his freshman year. I just simply remember that and being like, yep, I know that guy's a stud. I I just started looking at the league and going, okay, I know who my number one is because I'd seen Verlander pitch against Duke that year, and I knew... He was uh, the real deal. But the uh, Valley League list, you know, prominent by the absence of any Miami players, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me. Uh, anybody stick out on this Valley League list for you that uh, that our intern Jesse Burkhart did?
1: You know, I mean, I, I like I like Mickey Wiswold uh, from Boston College at number nine, a guy who yeah. was highly regarded coming out of high school in the Northeast, went to BC, uh, highly regarded as a hitter. Okay. Uh, you know, and, he, and he's got arm strength. He's, you know, there are some questions about position at the next level. Will he have enough power for a corner? But... Uh, this guy can really hit, and I think he's going to be a breakout guy in the ACC this year. Uh, one other guy who actually didn't make his list that I know Jesse was was debating was Riley Cooper from Florida. Oh, yeah, interesting just, guy. Football just guy. A football guy who just really, really did not hit at all. this summer okay. in the Valley with Wood, but certainly we know he's athletic, and, and uh, his pedigree, I mean, he was highly regarded coming out of high school as well. Well,
0: see, that's the thing. Uh, we talked about earlier how some of these leagues don't even really have ten guys. Some of them, like the Northwoods League, you left out Aaron Senna a Missouri outfielder who you like but just didn't perform in the context of that league Right. Uh, a guy like a Brian Pearl, a hard throwing closer who got some support but it wasn't across the board support but no. he's an intriguing power arm other uh, guys every year on Jim's Cables who don't make the top 30 but who are interesting guys you know we're not going to list all 100 one, one guys one more just, name just, I, I, I think 100
1: you're not yeah I, agree. Uh, yeah I think that's excessive one more one more name by the way in, in Northwoods since you're talking about it, is Mitch Mormon uh, six foot six right-hander from Des Moines Area Community College, where he'll be teammates with Patrick Cooper. Absolutely, i one in the Jayhawk League. Exactly, but but uh, Mitch Mormon did not pitch quite enough to qualify for the Northwoods League list, but he's up to ninety four miles an hour. He's got really good stuff. Uh, that's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of scouts in the Midwest uh, making the trip to Des Moines this spring.
0: Well, another another thing about the Valley League list that stood out to me is uh, the Lur- the Wranglers. Lur- wranglers Well, first of all, all these Valley. Cities are all, like, coming up in my Civil War reading. Which is, is, is that awesome. right? Oh, yeah, Winchester. There was, like, a uh, arms cache at Winchester that the you know the uh, the Union troops was going after, all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm not going to digress too much, but so I enjoy just reading the Valley League list. But uh, Ryan Schimpf of the Lou Ray Wranglers, number one prospect. LSU, very prominent throughout summer college baseball. They had a couple guys in the top ten in the Cape Cod League. Uh, Jared Mitchell, I
1: believe, is, uh, was he
0: in the Cape this summer or was he not? Leon Landry was the number one in pro- prospect in one of
1: our summer leagues as well. Was he not? Like Clark, Clark Griffin, Leon Landry was number one in the Clark Griffiths. LSU had four players ranked in, in leagues that we. Uh, Besides the Cape. Mis- well, I think that's including the Cape. Oh, okay. Uh, that was, which was second only to Texas, which had five. Which you had the DJ LeMayhew D.J. D.J. was up there, yep. Um, I don't know that Jared Mitchell played summer ball. I, I,
0: I, I, I think I was lumping him in. I know I had a football player also in one of my leagues. Where I, that's where I also was going to go linking with Riley Cooper. Is our number one prospect in the West Coast Collegiate League is Jake Locker. There you go, Jake Locker, the quarterback at Washington, who has not completed fifty percent of his passes in one year as a starter and then one game this year. He almost rushed for a thousand yards last year. Did you know that he rushed for nine hundred and sixty yeah, yards? Didn't, for did Washington. not complete fifty percent of his passes, no. but he made up for it with his legs. Yeah, absolutely. Like. Well, we'll see. I don't know if he made up for it because I don't think well, UW was all that good. Sure, I think UW's still looking to have the ring looks, but um, but Jake Locker hasn't played college baseball. He'll be draft eligible this year, and I think be, I think it was very savvy by Jake Locker. Now he said on Pac Ten Media Day he's done with baseball, but why did he play summer college baseball in the summer before his draft year? Right. He just did it to give scouts a little taste. And uh, this is a guy who out of high school was a legit two way guy, got a lot of comps to Grady Sizemore. Only was Grady Sizemore with a little less feel for hitting, but a better arm. Wow. Because Grady Sizemore's arm is his weakest tool. Jake, uh, Jake Locker was 96 off a of mound in high school, in a high school playoff game. Uh, this guy's a freak athlete. And the other great part about it is when you talk to people about <laughs> Jake Locker, you know, all the, all the, the coaches in that league and scouts, they all turn into football fans when you start talking about Jake Locker. And they all break him down as a football player, too. <laughs> oh, he runs too upright. <laughs> you know. I got that several times. And you, know, you look at his completion percentage. He's not accurate. He's not a pro passer. Look at Ty Williams' uh, uh, track record developing passers. That's not very good. You know, like, people started breaking down that kind of stuff. So there's no doubt that Jake Locker's on people's radar. And we wouldn't have ranked him number one, Aaron, if it weren't for the fact that he's got such prodigious talent. Because that might be the best number two. Yeah, exactly. In any league,
1: Joss Oshich is legit. That's what I was going to say, John, is you know Locker's got to be a pretty special talent to edge out Joss Oshich, a guy that... I know I'm really high on it. I a lot of people are. Uh, I mean, uh, just a, a left-hander with incredible arm strength. I mean, was he up to 98 this up summer? Up to
0: 98 in short stints, sitting 92, 96, and with the, uh, as Will Lingo would say, necessary arrogance to go with it to succeed. Uh, area scout up there tells a story. I think it's kind of an apocryphal story. I don't think it happened to him. Where a scout came up to Osage this summer after a game and said, "How'd you 98 today? You know, have that? Is that for real?" And he goes. Oh, yeah, I was only 87 to 90 in high school, but you guys didn't like me that much back then. You know, I mean, like, he's very kind of cocky about it in a good way. Um, Oregon State, it really is an embarrassment of riches at Oregon State because they also have Taylor Starr, a hard throwing kind of setup guy, basically. They have Kevin Roderick. They have Tanner Robles. They have George Reyes, Jorge Reyes, your college series most outstanding player in 2007. You got Greg Peavy. Am I leaving somebody out? I think I'm leaving are, somebody out.
1: Those are the, the main power arms, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, Gerbavok, Mark Gerbavok is still around. He's still kicking it with, I some, you're with right. some beaver flavor, if I, if I remember correctly. It's crazy how much pitching they have. We'll see if they get any offense to go where did
1: they mentioned. Did you Taylor Starr?
0: I, I did mention Taylor Star at the beginning of the peroration. And then David Robertson, by the way, who signed. You know, it was a D three player transfer there this year. Tearing up minor league ball, isn't it? And he's like set a record for north what's the Northwest League in hits. Uh, as bad as their season was this year, twenty eight and twenty four, not getting the postseason. Still, so good things happening for the o State ball. They were
1: disappointing this year, John, but uh, really this was kind of a transition year for them. I mean, they sure it was a matter of, of breaking I mean, them. And and it was it's the, the biggest thing that was disappointing for them was their veterans did not live up. I mean, Mike Stutz and Jorge Reyes are our, our BA i you yeah. cover boys. And Mike Stute's having a great year in Pro Bowl, too, by the way. But in, in the New York Penn League, I believe.
0: Yeah, and also the Sally League. He's already oh, okay. in the Saturday League, and he's performed very well.
1: But uh, but I think I think now, I mean, they, they really have no excuse. Those guys as sophomores have to take a leap forward, and I think Oregon State yeah, had him in May for Omaha after the College World Series. I think that they're, uh, this, they are this they should get back there this year. I believe that.
0: I, I'm with you. Um, that's that's where I was headed with that, because with that kind of pitching, uh, right-handed, left-handed, power arms, command guys, uh, it's going to be a tough first year for Oregon. Let's put it that way. I think the o State ball is, are going to make things difficult for the B, for the Bears. Uh, Bears, the Ducks. Good God,
1: I really need some coffee. <laughs> they're going to make things tough on uh, George Horton and company. Interestingly, I think just uh, on paper, looking at the season, I think you've got the two easily best or at least most talented pitching staffs: North Carolina and Oregon North Carolina State. And Oregon State.
0: Uh, that that record that, that joke isn't funny anymore, as, as Morrissey said what's uh, the Baseball America podcast. He's Aaron. I'm John, making the Smiths references. NECBL, New England Collegiate Baseball League, Aaron. Sounds like Michael Olt, or Olt, I should say, sophomore Connecticut. He sounds like an interesting drug he is. to uh, get back to Morrissey. Um, this is a guy who played briefly in the Cape on a temporary contract and impressed, but then went to the NECBL. Looks like he ended up being, obviously, our number one prospect, but he really performed in the spring with UConn, and he yeah. followed it up
1: this summer. He had a great freshman year. He was a guy that uh, talked to area scouts up that way this summer, and they said, you know, we just missed it, we just blew it on this guy. I mean, you know, they, they saw him in high school, and nobody was particularly impressed. I don't think he was drafted at of high school. He's the
0: Christian Friedrich of the Northeast. Only a
1: shortstop because
0: Christian Friedrich was completely missed at high deal, school. Same deal, huh? Yeah,
1: but but this guy, I mean, it. Uh, people already are saying, you know, he's a guy. Watch out for him next year. I, mean, I don't know. Who, I don't think he's a first round kind of guy, but I think he's. A top three rounds kind of guy. You
0: never know college middle infielders. Yeah, well, I'd say there is some there is
1: some question whether he'll play shortstop at the next level. Okay, I think he's I think he might be more of a, uh, a third baseman type guy down the road, but his bat will play, I believe. So uh, he's exciting, and and UConn is the number two guy on this list, also with Dan Mahoney, uh, a guy who UConn I, represent. I What's I going to, on here? And Dan Mahoney, of course, is a personal favorite because he's a product of uh, Cushing Academy. In the Ashburnham, Massachusetts, where uh, I went to high school, so I, I didn't go to Cushing. I went to the public school in town. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Dan Mahoney, oh, so is, you didn't go to no, no. academy. <laughs> uh, but Dan Mahoney is an, an interesting guy, also. I think. Uh, I think this this league was down a little bit from last year when you had Steven Casper. Obviously, just, a, it's just that is that kind of talent is is a once a decade kind of a, a get for the, for the NECBL for really any league. I mean, right. that guy is. Is an incredible talent, but uh, but that league also had guys like Kyle Bellows last year, who we really liked. And, I am Kyle uh, and Kyle Bellows, and AJ Pollock, I think, was in that league. Who AJ Pollock really was in that
0: league, and Jason
1: Gusty was in that league. Gusty, John, yeah, who, who has been a little disappointing, but oh, uh, he
0: was intriguing last summer. He was,
1: but but this, I mean, this this year does this league does have some interesting guys still. I like some of the arms. I don't think there's a lot of high upside arms. Uh, I mean, like Casey Harmon is a guy that people like. Uh, but uh, what's he going to be really? Is he number five starter? Best case scenario, uh, maybe a bullpen guy. He just doesn't throw that hard right now.
0: I do love that he's a Vermont guy and he went to Clemson. I mean, if you're a good Vermont Got player, and you don't and you don't go to Clemson. You're probably not that good. I uh, mean, well, really. You know, Bill
1: Carrier does a good job up there getting getting oh, a lot of Vermont guys. He does, but, uh, but the
0: best guys, Jack Leggett, comes in and gets. Yeah. He's very because he owns his old his old state, he, uh, Vermont. He owns the Green Mountain Boys. Uh, which league should we go to next, Aaron? Which which, which what's the other league we haven't you want talked to talk about,
1: about Alaska yet, John? We're kind of jumping around here, but I think this is a, this is a love, fun little podcast. No,
0: I like I like to, jumping around as well, uh, and getting up and getting up and getting down. But uh, yeah, Alaska League uh, was down <laughs> this year. and It's easy to say that, but I think the Alaska League is a very tangible reason why it's not as good as it used to be. And that's the West Coast Collegiate League. You know, the West Coast Collegiate Baseball League is a big time. It's the best league in the West now, in my opinion. Summer college baseball. Josh Oshich would rank number one in this league, for right. sure. And Taylor Starr would be right up there with Stephen Fish back at the top of this league. Um, I like the Alaska League,
1: but it's hard to get to. And it's not. And right. you know what else, John? I think maybe people are, are uh, less excited to go up there ever since the, they had the, the new governor elected up there. I think, <laughs> I think Sarah Palin was maybe a little bit of a deterrent, but we won't go down that road. <laughs> well, we can't escape Alaska
0: in the news these days. But uh, the other thing is the West Coast Collegiate League has Nike's money behind it. Nike runs the Corvallis Knights. Uh, the Corvallis Knights won the West Coast Collegiate League. Yeah. They are a powerhouse. Yeah. Uh, they've taken the old Pacific International League and kind of taken it apart. Uh, that semi-pro summer league up there, the only team that's left up there, basically, is the Seattle Studs. Uh, this team has a team in Canada and Kelowna, one of the birthplaces of baseball America. Kelowna slash White Rock, uh, you know, where, where we were founded. Um... So you've got, uh, this is a, the West Coast Collegiate League is a really great, well-run league. And you can't talk about Alaska, I don't think, without talking about the WCCBL, because in the past, uh, two things, in my experience, really sustained Alaska. It was the best league for Pac-10 players. Pac-10 players either went to the Cape or they went to Alaska, period. And Stanford and some other schools really supported of the Alaska League and now those players are kind of like a, was it like a Stanford diaspora a little bit this summer. Hmm. Uh, this league is getting a little bit more junior college every year uh, the Alaska League That doesn't mean that's not necessarily bad, but it's just a little bit less good every year it seems like but there were some interesting arms up there, Steven Fishback, Garrett Richards. not a whole lot of uh, consensus I can't believe I haven't changed Joey Turdoslovich, the uh, I should say the uh, top ranked position player in this league has actually transferred from Miami to Long Beach State. That confirmed by Jim Morris III himself. Uh, he's no longer attending the University of Miami. But uh, one of the most intriguing guys. The thing is, no one could agree on the position players in this league. Bryn Hardy was the top guy for some people. He was an undrafted junior out of Alabama, Alabama Birmingham. And the other guys really questioned his ability to hit uh, velocity. Uh, Tardoslavic is definitely the best bat. Where's the position?
1: Well, i tell you what, though, John. I like Trdoslovich, and he's the guy that, when I, when I picked Miami as my sleeper eight for Omaha this year after the College World Series, one reason for that was Cause... because I believed Joey Trdoslovich would step in and, and help fill that offensive void left by guys like Alonzo and Raven leaving. I think they're going to miss not having him around. I don't know the details for why he transferred, and right. I assume he's, he's going to have to sit out a year if he's going to Long Beach State. There's got to be. I mean, that's, to me, that's a, a strange choice. I don't know the details behind it. I don't know if he was dismissed or, or what. I don't want to speculate, but uh, they're going to miss that bat. I think he's. I think oh, he's going m- to hit.
0: They're going to miss that bat. There's no doubt they're going to miss that bat. And that's the one thing. Alaska had some good arms, but they're mostly relievers, uh, guys who profile as relievers. But Alaska also had better hitters. Even though the hitting in Alaska was down, the hitting in Alaska was better. The precision player prospects were better than the West Coast Collegiate League and I'll throw out my one West Coast Collegiate League sleeper I couldn't quite find room for or support for to put in the top ten, but Steven Yarrow, rising sophomore, University of San Francisco. but That's my pick-to-click for 2009. Keep an eye on Steven Yarrow. The guy can hit, got to find a position for him, Uh, see if he retains his athleticism, but he's a Reno area, not Reno, he's a Tahoe area guy, Uh, very deep cut out of high school. I think Steven Yarrow is going to be a factor uh, in the West uh, West Coast uh, Conference. Coming up, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, he hit well in the WCCBL, but the rest of his game, a little shaky, uh, to the point where I, I didn't feel like I could rank him. Uh, we haven't mentioned the Coastal Plain League this is one of the better leagues, and also have one of the better number one guys. Yeah, I like
1: Dick McGuire a lot, uh, the uh, guy who I, I believe just missed Freshman All America honors for us this. Spring. I think he was second team, wasn't he? What was he on? What did we just? Oh no, he just missed the second team because I think I think Thane Simon beat him out because Thane Simon from Santa Clara was better That's in it. conference than That's McGuire, it. but. But Tech McGuire was good this spring. I mean, he beat Georgia, I believe, twice. Uh, and Georgia, of course, nearly won the national championship. Uh, but this guy is, is uh, I think he's, he projects really well. I mean, hes I think he's about six foot six, a lot of sink. Uh, I think he's going to add some velocity right now. He's up to about 91. Is he
0: basically uh, the number two starter right now in Georgia Tech behind Zach Von Tersch?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and you know what, and he might be, honestly wouldn't be shocked if he's their Friday guy this year as a sophomore. I think he's very polished. He's got a good uh, four-pitch mix and, and uh He's exciting. I mean, he's a guy that for next year's draft, I think, uh, or for the 2010 draft, rather, uh, you know, he could sneak up into that first round. I think
0: the rest of this league, just eyeballing it, looks a little down. Yeah, you just don't anticipate the Coastal Plain League number two guy being from Canisius, number three being Mercyhurst. I'll say
1: this for Kevin Mahoney; he was a guy who had a huge junior year there, and uh, I was really surprised he went undrafted because he has some tools and Mm -hmm. he doesn't. He doesn't profile really well. Plus,
0: I he does sound like he's unorthodox. He, do, he performs,
1: but he doesn't sound like he does things in like any, any way that would be called classic. He just absolutely tore up the league up there. Managers were in love with the guy. Even the scouts who we saw him here and there said, "You know, this guy's this guy can play." I'm, I'm, you know, people were surprised he wasn't drafted. But I think as a number two prospect, uh, you know, you, I, I, I would rather have a younger, high upside kind of a guy. And, and in this league, it was a lot of the guys on this list are older. There were not a lot of uh, those you know, usually you have guys in this league who are freshmen or sophomores that are right about to make the leap. And, and uh, I mean, even you know, our, our number three guy, Steve Greif, I like. He's got an electric arm, but he's an undersized right hander. I mean, he's up to ninety four, but he's probably a, a middle relief type guy down the road.
0: I'm a little surprised Parker Bangs didn't rank higher on this. League. Did we not see Parker Bangs in the regional, uh, the super regional against NC State? We did, I believe we did pitching, see Parker Bangs. By that whole season, the he pitched a lot, but he wasn't he wasn't that great. But NC State's lineup also wasn't. Too great at the end of the year. Either it was a really pitching-oriented team, um, but there the, the interesting interesting thing to me about this league is that it's still when it's at its best is when it's getting a lot of freshmen from ACC and SEC schools. Yeah. So that that's really yeah. one of the best things about the Coastal Plain League when it's a good year for them. They're good, deep freshman classes in those leagues, like the Duck McGuire's.
1: Exactly. But they guys just didn't, didn't have a lot of guys like that this year. Right. Week.
0: Now that's that's the way it seems. Another uh, league that you want to touch on here, uh, Aaron, before we uh, wrap up. Uh, we did have some other interesting number one prospects. Jordan Danks, second time in three years. He was in the Mink League. He's the, enti- he's the number one reason why we do the Mink League top ten prospects list because uh, he's played in that league. Uh, last year, And both each of the last two years, the Mink League's number one prospect has been a drafted junior or redshirt sophomore who's signed. Last year, Charlie Shirek. This year, Jordan Dankity Danks. Both signed by the White Sox. Um, uh, I believe that's a uh, 100% coincidence. Um, but is there another league that you uh, want to touch you on know, the, before the, we wrap up?
1: The Texas Collegiate League this year uh, you know, isn't what it once was. There's only four teams in the league now, uh, and they didn't really have the same kind of, of – usually they'll have a few players from Texas and Rice and maybe A&M that really kind of make this league float. But this year uh, they did have some interesting arms, and, and uh, particularly from Alabama, I liked I Dell liked Howell and Jimmy Nelson a lot. I think those are two guys that – you're going to see a lot of this year. I think Alabama is going to have a pretty good team, John.
0: That would be uh, interesting to see the, the the tide bounce back a little bit here. They're bouncing back in football, so maybe they're just uh, the rising tide lifting all boats. Their, their
1: freshman class kind of flew under the radar this past year, but uh, I mean, you know, they've got a, a good young core, and, and and you know, Nelson and Howell are two guys that I think will make the leap this year as well. So um, it's it's uh, that's something to keep an eye on. I think Alabama's... a. Uh, I don't know if it's fair to call them a sleeper, because they could be a top 25 team in the preseason. But I, I, right now I see them as a team that uh, will, will rebound next year.
0: And also good to see Luke Burnett, uh, who just was awful this spring for Louisiana Tech, one of the most disappointing teams in the country, frankly, um, uh, the Bulldogs. Uh, yeah, really. But Luke Burnett was a big reason for that. He was just tur- terrible. He was awful. He, uh, uh, you know, he was kind of a knucklehead, I guess you'd say. Uh, not really, but he, he had a bad spring. Uh, still gets $200,000, resuscitates, makes himself a little bit of money in the Texas Collegiate League. Interesting to see that he's not pitching downhill
1: uh, yeah. with that big-time velocity. He still doesn't have his old velo back. But it sounds like there was some tendinitis. Making... It was a factor this spring and that maybe it was. He you know, took six weeks off, and his velocity was a little bit better this summer. It still wasn't what it once was. Uh, I think it's a great sign for the Mariners. I agree. You know, this is a guy who does have some upside. He was up to 98 in the Cape last year and ranked high on that list. So, um, you know, he's interesting.
0: I, I, I think we'll touch on the, really quickly a league that to me seems like it just keeps getting better. Cal Ripken Senior League. That's a good league, and there's a dominant franchise there—the Uses right. Orioles. Is that good for a league's talent level, or is it not good in, in your mind? It seems like it's good because they yeah. have the top six prospects in the league. Is that's
1: they got the they, top
0: seven, eight of the ten? They, they, they dominate
1: this league every year, and, and that's just the way it is. I mean, Dean Albany runs that that Orioles franchise. He's a uh, got his ties to the Baltimore Orioles, of course, as an area guy there. and um, You know, and they go to Johnstown every year, and I think they, they, they win, they win a- it a- basically a- every a- year. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's a really good program they have. And they had a couple other guys in this league who do, who didn't pitch or play enough to qualify who were really interesting guys. So, um, you know, th- this is... Uh, uh, there, there are some. There were some other teams that had had some players worth talking about, but this league has produced players the last few years. You know, I mean, they had Evan Fredrickson in, the, in this league a couple of oh, years yes. ago, and when uh, he was struggling uh, at Virginia Tech. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, he was exactly what he is today. He was a uh, a lefty with huge with huge stuff and really shaky command. But he so. he
0: is who we thought he was, or something like that. I can't even think of a Dennis Green. Close yeah, enough for me. Sure, okay. But uh, I like that league. The Ripken League is. A, and to bring it all back to the to the start, the Ripken League is one of these newer leagues that's well run. It's one, running kind of as a business, um, not just as a, like as a let's at the cave they just kind of like roll the balls out there and bring your lawn chair and let's hang out and we'll take up a pass the hat and that's wonderful. I love that about the Cape. That's not the trend. Most Cape league, most summer college leagues are not like that. They're run like the minor leagues, but with free labor basically. So. Um, <laughs> It's, the best part about it is that you have summer, you have college players who don't get to play as much during the year, and especially pitchers who don't have as much pressure, who learn to pitch off their fastball. It's great for hitters to get experience hitting with wood, too, but let's face it, they're going to do that anyway. They can do that in college in the fall. Or, I mean, I still think it'd be great if the NCAA, just all the money that was spent on bats in these summer college leagues, is spent on wood bats for Division One. If you had Division I A and you had one double A, you got the College Series subdivision and the, I don't know, whatever subdivision uh, for the second tier of college baseball if you wanted to. But, again, that's my pipe dream. I digress. So summer college baseball has a lot of great things about it. But to me, the best thing is for the pitchers to get out there and to learn to throw the fastball. And especially the guys who make the most progress for me are the guys who learn to throw their fastball inside. You just don't get that in college baseball. People just don't know how to throw inside inside when they're throwing the metal bat. So well, I, I know I know I painted the summer college leagues a little bit negatively on the way in as like an almost unnecessary evil, but there's a lot of development that goes on that I think is important. But then again that leads you to who do you want doing this development? The summer college league coaches in a lot of cases are high school coaches or they're college assistant coaches or their small college coaches. Do you want those guys doing the development or do you want Steve Smith and Babe Van Horn and Mock Fox and Pat Casey and Ray Tanner? And Jack Leggett, do you want these the big time college coaches doing that development? For me, I'd rather have the, the main college coaches and their staffs and those resources
1: brought to bear. But that 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 it. brings us down an entirely different road, though, which is the wood bats in college baseball. It does discussion, which of course you know, I think that that, that, that road's been covered pretty well. We
0: don't want that podcast. Nobody wants to hear that podcast. Uh, anything else before we wrap up, Aaron? Uh, who, I, think,
1: I think we covered most of the, the key things I wanted to talk about. Uh, the, Tyler Hess, Kevin Keyes, California
0: Collegiate League. Very boy, interesting.
1: Did we not talk about the California Collegiate League? No, this is we did This is another league that I, I think has come a long way in a hurry, and it's, I think, similar to the Cal Ripken League. You've exactly. we got, got the one dominant franchise, but the league itself seems like it's well run. Uh, and, you know, the... the the Foresters are kind of the West Coast Youses Orioles. That's
0: exactly right. Uh, your NBC champions, NBC World Series champions, the Santa Barbara Foresters, Bill Pintard. Here's how dominant this program is they split their squad this year, Aaron, for a week. They took the main guys, went to Cuba, played the Cuban national team for three games. Meanwhile, their split squads back in the Cal Collegiate League playing three games without them. Huh. How awesome is that? Summer college team was split squad. But to me, the most intriguing guys in this league were a couple. There a couple freshmen: uh, Josh Poitras, who's uh, going to Fresno State, unsigned, sixteenth round pick. Sounds like a great talent, and he's got a he's an athletic, intriguing guy. Uh, athletic left-hander sounds a little bit like Troy Patton to me, to be honest with you. Uh, Chris Joyce, uh, another athletic left-hander, UC Santa Barbara, definitely would have been a draft this year, a
1: higher draft uh, than tenth round. If you hadn't had some arm issues, he had some uh, shoulder fatigue. Those guys, John, are going to be stacked this year, I think. They've got, I think they've got their entire weekend rotation back. for The shows the No, they do have that. They have Mario Hollins. Ford is back, isn't he? Mike I think Mike Ford
0: is back. Uh, they, Chuck Huggins might have signed. I think he signed. Chuck Huggins was a senior. He signed. But you'll add you know, Chris Joyce. Uh, it would be awesome to see that. Bob Bronson is now your head of the rules committee, one of the all-time good guys in college baseball. Uh, Tom Myers, our recruiting coordinator, does a great job. And uh, also, let's face it, it'll be good for college baseball. If the galaxies are good, Jim Rome will talk college baseball. It'll be awesome. <laughs> baseball America <laughs> podcast for Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. We are out.
1: What's so special
0: about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.